chapter 22, one of the great passages that we're going through all of uh, chapters 4 through 19. It sure is good to get into chapters 21 and 22. But um, I like what I think it was Billy Graham who said, uh, I know uh, I know I'm on the winning side because I've read the last two chapters. And so that's true. Uh, we can read the last two chapters now. We're in the last chapter in Revelation 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, there was a tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And the servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These things, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent the angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. And so we see that uh, God again offers a blessing to those who will read and heed the book of Revelation. So we see now as human history is winding down, we see that tree of life. Where did we see that? We saw it in the Garden of Eden. And it's interesting, you kind of trace the, uh, the uh, tree of life through the Bible. And you see it several times in the book of Psalms, or as a tree of life. Um, so it's something we're missing right now that one day will be again uh, part of our, our livelihood. He says, uh, although the heavenly Jerusalem is described in terms of gems and splendor in chapter 21, we see that the city is teeming with life in chapter 22. The first paradise, there were only two persons to behold the beauty and taste of the pleasures of it. But the second paradise, whole cities and nations shall find abundant uh, delight and satisfaction. That's a quote from uh, Matthew Henry, one of the uh, old uh, commentators, English commentaries. Uh, the water of life uh, and the tree of life emphasized the great truth that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. So we see you know, love, light, and life uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, we see John chapter 1, verse 4, in him was light, and that light was the life of men. Uh, the grace that God bestows upon the believer today is just a foretaste of things to come. Uh, we sing that song, Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And so blessed assurance that we have. So first of all, in verse 1, we see the tree of life. And we notice that he says that he showed me a pure river of life, clear as crystal. Everything in, the, in heaven is pure. Everything in heaven it doesn't have any um, defects. The streets of gold are pure gold. That means that... Uh, Gold as a color because um, it has defects in it, but if it was totally 
pure, it wouldn't. It would be clear as crystal, and then really show its light or its golden through when light shines through it. The same way with the rest of the stones that we saw and we examined back in chapter 21, the, the gates of pearl and so forth. Everything is totally pure, no defects at all, both either materially or physically or spiritually. In heaven, everything is going to be perfect. And we see that he says the water of life um, was offered to the woman at the well. Remember what he said to her. Uh, out of me will spring, out of, out of you will spring springs of living water to all who come. And of course, uh, that's uh, why we sing the song, springs of living water or running water, the water of life. And living uh, is a Jewish idiom. Uh, we use the word, the idiom we use is running water. And, uh, you know, an idiom is a, Character is a human characteristic you give to a physical thing, and uh, remember those old prank telephone calls you get, used to get. Um, is your is your refrigerator running? And oh yes, well uh, you better run out and catch it and all that garbage, and then they'd hang up on you. Those are old landline type of silly things they would do. Well, that was an idiom that they would of course turn around to be literal. Well, the living water is the idea of running water, so the water flowing. Through us, like a river glorious, is God's perfect peace. Overall victorious in its bright increase. Perfect yet it floweth, fuller every day. And so we see that uh, the idea then is God is working. He is always flowing in our lives. It looks like things are static today in our lives. Or maybe you've been going through a dry period or a, a wonder what's going to happen next period. And yet we see that God is always working and all things work together for good to them that love God. So the springs of living water. And then I like what uh, another uh, commentator, uh, John Walford, said. This water corresponds to the present believer's experience of the outflow of the Spirit and the eternal life. And so the Holy Spirit is working. He, the Holy Spirit is you know, considered like the oil or the, the water that is not static, but flowing through us. And of course, natural water is the basic of life. And the water of life coming from the throne of the Lamb and the Lamb is a staple. Now, is that interesting? They're, they just, I uh, was listening on the news today that uh, uh, the Russian satellite that was going to uh, the moon crashed. But they were wanting to find, see if there was water at the east of one of the poles, you know, the north or south pole of the moon. And uh, they didn't make it or whatever happened. But uh, everybody's looking for water out in the, in the universe. Uh, you know, water is a staple of life, but, uh, you know, there's a debate whether there's any out there. Um, I don't really... It doesn't concern me. If it does, is it going to be H2O like we know today? Or what consistency would it be? Is there ice in, uh, on Mars or on Pluto or Saturn or whatever? I don't know. But uh, I don't think it would be the same consistency that we know of today as water, H2O. But, um, but then again, in heaven, whatever the water of life is, is it going to be hydrogen, two parts hydrogen? Whatever it is, it's going to be totally perfect that God makes and uh, it's a staple of life. Now, there's two things we see in heaven that we have here on earth. 
We have water and we have food. Both of them are there. And so we see that uh, there appears the river is, a, is not a broad stream. Notice uh, in verse 2, it tells us that on either side of the river was the tree of life. We debated that last week. Does that mean it's suspended over the river? Or is it, does it mean that it's on one side of the river and that its branches span the river? Uh, and uh, I know that uh, down in Mobile, Alabama, uh, on Highway 90, it's called Government Street, as it goes the main drag right through the major part of the city, those big, huge oak trees just line the city, and they go all the way across the street, you know, and it's interesting to see that. Uh, I think it was Faulkner's house uh, in, in, um, in Mississippi, and he had a tree-lined driveway that was over 100 yards long, and it was nothing but, you know, uh, oak trees that, um, that uh, lined it. Uh, does, is that the picture that we see here, or is it, as we said, you know, when it says on either side, is it suspended? Well, if the Lord could suspend a city over the earth, he could, he could do whatever he wants to. Again, uh, whatever it is, it's a tree of life. And it's grounded in the word of God. And that doesn't mean, it doesn't have to be grounded in the ground. It just has to be grounded in the word of God. And so it appears that the river of life is not a broad stream. And we see that the branches span the river. Um, it bears 12 kinds of fruit of the nations. Now, like I said, the first thing I want to do after I see the Lord face to face is I want to go eat of that tree because that tree was in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord said, you know, we've got to get Adam and Eve out of here because if they eat of that tree, they'll live forever. You know, if they would have eaten of the right tree, then they would still be on earth today. And so we see that uh, this tree is in heaven, and that's one thing. What reason I, uh, you know, say, <clears throat> I'm sure the Lord will do what He wants to do, and I'll be bowing at His feet. But uh, the first thing I want to do is, Lord, I want that tree. You know, I want to make you know, now. Of course, I already made sure that I'm saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. But it sure is going to be good to know that that's eternal food, and it's the eternal health of the nations. So again, nations is the word ethnos. So will that mean that there will be different kinds of people or different ethnicities of people in heaven? We do know that we're going to be individuals. And that, uh, that's the one thing about Christianity is it majors on the individual, not on the crowd or not on the collective. And what we do has a personal responsibility and a benefit from God. And we're not just doing it all for the government or all for the collective or whatever, the common good is. Whenever you hear the word common good, be careful of that word. Because I want to be a good citizen, which is a, good, which is a common good of Belvedere. But also, everybody that's a good citizen in Belvedere is not going to heaven. They've made their individual choices. And then every, um, every citizen in Belvedere is not working for my common good. They're private citizens. They can work for whoever they want to. Now, of course, if they're good citizens, that benefits us all. But it's not that we're all collective communism working together for some common nirvana or, or commune here on earth. No, that's uh, not what God has called us to do. But so we see that there is even going to be individuality in, in heaven. Ethnos. Uh, 
is it going to be the same type of groups? Probably not. But God is, I'll be able to tell you from me. Uh, I don't know exactly how. I mean, I don't know exactly how much. But uh, there will be different groupings and different kinds of people, just like there's different angels in heaven. Now, the, the one thing of difference between an angel and a human, though, is angels don't reproduce. So every angel in heaven is totally unique. Some have six wings, some have two. And so, and then some have the face of a man, and some have the face of a lion, some, you know, all those different things that God can make angels to be. And every one of them are totally individual. Well, the great thing about it is that we are totally individual uh, too, but we can reproduce. Our cells can be reproduced into a child, or an angel cannot do that. And so we see that that's the reason we have common characteristics and so forth. Uh, um, my children have uh, brown eyes and blue eyes. So, so the two, two of them have blue eyes and two of them have brown eyes. I don't know. So some of them take from my side of the family and some take from my wife's side, I guess. I don't know all that. I mean, although they'll tell you, you know, where your different things come from. But uh, there again... They do have characteristics. I like to say that my daughter is the best-looking girl in all the world, and she looks just like me. But, you know, <laughs> you know, except uh, everybody says she looks just like me. So, you know, there again is, uh, that's, um, but my wife tells me I'm the best-looking guy, guy in the world, and, you know, my wife doesn't lie. So, you know, there again, that's all that matters. Uh, but then again, I've got to be careful because I'll call, I'll tell Evelyn, how pretty she is, or some of the other girls. So I have to say, but I have to be careful. I can't call you beautiful because that's my daughter's name, you know, so that's her pet name. But uh, there again, that's, uh, you know, God has made us different, different personalities. I'm glad that everybody won't be like me in heaven. I mean, I want to be, I want to have, I want to get to know you a little differently. And I want us to, you know, we can solve a lot of problems in heaven that we can't solve here on earth. Because he's going to make us rulers over the earth at one time and over the universe. Do we have problems in heaven? Uh, I don't know if we'll have problems, but we will have work. Well, there will be challenges because he's going to keep us busy. Well, it depends on how you look at a problem. Somebody says that problems are nothing more than opportunities and work clothes. So there again, is, uh, we'll look at problems a whole lot differently in heaven. They won't be fatal problems. Let's put it that way. But... And there again, how is God going to keep us busy for eternity? Those are all things that are totally of different dimension. And so we see that uh, uh, there are several things here. Every month. So we see ethnos, different types of people in heaven. And then we see that they're every month. So we know that on earth, the months are dictated by the moon. But in heaven, there's not going to be a sun and moon. So how is it, is it going to be star date number 500? No, it won't be any of that either. Uh, but how will you have uh, months without a moon, a sun or a moon? So again, we'll see that God has a whole different timing system. And so we see that uh, there's food and there's water in heaven. Water clear as crystal and Fruits, 12 different kinds of fruit. Every month a different fruit. Now that one tree will produce 12 different kinds of fruit. 
Do you have a tree like that in, on earth today? No. Well, you might have one that's been... Well, was, were they all, uh, what they call grafted in? Grafted. Oh, that was grafted. Well, that won't be in heaven. Well, that's the reason you have seedless orange, navel oranges are, uh, are grafted in to a tree. And so, yeah, but they won't be grafted in in heaven. We'll be grafted into heaven. Yeah, right. They will be, they will not be, you know, an orange tree will not produce an apple. It will produce a navel orange, but it will not produce a grape. And so, uh, we see the 12 totally different kind. And this is 12. And there again, that word different is different in kind. Apples and oranges. Not different in number like this is the first pew and that's the next pew. There's two different pews here. And yet they're the same. The same kind. Well, no, this is totally different. This is a pew and this is a bench type of thing. So it's totally different. What's you know? Uh, no, the Lord is. Uh, he's got, well, you know, there again, gardening is the world's oldest profession. And that's, I think that's one reason people enjoy the peace of just getting out and planting something in a garden. There's something about that that is therapeutic. You know, why do we like flowers? Why do we like cutting the grass? Or, well, all that. You know, there's something about that God has ingrained in us from birth and are from creation. Now, of course, well, I don't like that. Well, okay, you know, God has made us individuals today. But uh, in general, we, there's something there's some serenity, serenity about Japanese gardens that attract people from all over the world to Rockford or Bellingrath Gardens in Mobile that's just beautiful. Or you name the garden, you know, uh, Madison Square Gardens, which is not a garden, but that's an arena. But, you know, there again, uh, you know, there's just something about gardens that people like. And guess what? There's going to be the, And, you know, think of it. Trace that through the Bible. Uh, where was the Lord buried? Where was the, our Lord buried? Where was Jesus buried? But in a garden. And where was the, where did he spend his last night before he went to that garden? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Think about the gardens. What's that? I was there. Yeah, you've been there. So, and so uh, again, just the idea. The Lord, you know, those very different things in the Bible that just trace. And if you're looking for them, or if you really start studying, they're there. But you just, you know, when we read it, we just read right over it. But there's so many hidden things in the Bible. That you just you just keep discovering them, and that's the reason I preached the Bible for now over forty five years, and uh, I just still wonder uh, how many things I was so ignorant about you know, all during my ministry. I just keep discovering new things, and that's the way it should be. I like what uh, old Schofield. Uh, you've heard, you, many of you have the Schofield Reference Bible. But that was one of the first reference Bibles that was ever made back in 1917. It came out. But uh, a lady walked up to uh, C.I. Schofield one time and said, I would give my life to know the Bible like you do. And old C.I. Schofield looked at her and said, Lady, that's exactly what it'll cost you, your life. You know, if you want to know the Bible like I do, I poured my whole life into it. And so, you know, the more you just can't pour, you pour your life into it, the more you get out. And boy, how easy it is for us just to, to 
hopefully read a, a passage a day or whatever, rather than really getting into the Word of God. And so we see that uh, every month, every so there's time in heaven, and yet we sing the song, uh, you know, time shall be no more. Time as we know it shall be no more. Uh, how, do you, how do you deal with that? And notice again, he says every month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So again, ethnos. Uh, now, of course, we know everything's in heaven is perfect, so they're already healed. So it's the idea of the continued healing of the nations. And so he says, and now notice all the things that will not, there's, there's seven things here that uh, are not going to be there. He says, and there shall be no more curse. We've seen that before, especially there will be no curse of sin in the book, in the, in the uh, millennium. But also, he says, the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. So there's no more administration. So there's perfect administration of, of the administrators or the Lord Jesus. Excuse me. So we have perfect restoration, no more curse, perfect administration. The Lamb shall be on the throne. Uh, notice. And his servants shall serve him. So here we have perfect submission and subordination. And so, uh, you know, we, we won't be worried about uh, disobeying him anymore because he gives us perfect hearts. And so there's going to be perfect submission to him. Um, and they shall see his face and his name shall be on their forehead. So here we have perfect transformation because if we saw the face of God today, what would happen? Yeah, no man has seen God at any time. Why? Because he'd die. The glory of God. Now, yeah, well, you saw Jesus. Yeah, but that was before he was translated to heaven. Now he's glorified. And his glory, his glory would blind you today. Until, you, of course, you, he takes you to be with him uh, even in death. So we see perfect transformation. Then we see perfect identification. His, our name shall be on his forehead. Says, now there again, you trace that again. Uh, who, what's the one thing that will keep you from heaven? Or keep a person from heaven? It won't be you because you won't be here. But what will, what's the two things that will keep a person from heaven? Death and the mark of the beast. Only two things I see in the Bible that will prevent a person from, going, from accepting the Lord as Savior and going to heaven. And so what does the devil do? Forehead. Isn't it interesting? The devil is always the counterfeiter. And uh, that's why all these tattoos and everything, people are putting things on their bodies today. Uh, it's just a foretaste of things to come. It's just sad to see. And notice he said there shall be no more night or day there. So here we have perfect illumination. Uh, because the Lord is going to be the light. And there again, how, what does that mean? Uh, we're going to be able to see him face to face, and yet he's going to be the light of the universe. That's, omnis that's omnipresence, isn't it? I mean, he's going to be everywhere at once. And uh, then again, we see that he's going to reign forever and ever. And uh, A.T. Pearson, this is, this is where I've got this from, is a, that was a, uh, a, a, one of the noted Greek scholars of his day. He lived in the 20th century, about the mid part or the early part of the 20th century. And we owe a lot to him as far as the uh, study of the New Testament and I'm really digging into a lot of the words that we 
now can identify so much better. And um, so uh, those seven things that we see, the perfect, uh, perfect perfection of heaven that we're going to have there. Now, the rest of the, we see also, is the hope of the believer, because we see it, there's no, no more curse. Now, verse 5, there shall be no night there, nor lamp, nor no light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, to me these things are faithful and true. Now, <clears throat> these things are faithful and true. When the Lord Jesus rides on his white horse, what is his name? Faithful and true. Again, we see how that all these things blend together. He says, And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servant these things which must shortly take place. Who were his holy prophets? Isaac, or, or well, actually uh, Moses, and well, actually he's the law and the prophets, but uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all those prophets prophesied for this to come. And so, by the, uh, so we see that, uh, and the Lord of the holy prophets, aren't you glad that, you know, the God of Isaiah is my God. The God of Daniel is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And God can talk to me like he talked to Daniel. No, well, actually, God talked to us through his word. But he's the same God who spoke to Daniel, and Daniel wrote down the word. So the words of the, that bless us, that come from the prophets, you know, like the, the writer of Hebrew says, in various ways, God spoke to the prophets. But now he speaks to us through his word. So when we get into his word, and we talked about that last week, I love that passage, and the Lord stood by Paul. You know, we talked about that. Where God just gives you, I mean, he just plants a word in your life. Now, you can't have that happen unless you know the word. Unless you're under the preaching of the word. Unless you're reading the word. But the more you know the word, the more the Holy Spirit can use the word to guide you. And so we see that uh, uh, he tells us that these things shall shortly come to pass. And of course, the Lord's speaking here in verse 7. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Blessed, and there's a promise. Uh, is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So we see a world falling apart. But God promises us that if we will follow him, then we will be blessed in the midst of the storm that the storm clouds that are already here. Now, I like that the hope of the believer, verse 7, knows the blessings. This is on the back of your notes. Blessing upon the one who reads the book. He shall be like a tree planted. By, and of course, now, there's, just trace some of these things. We talked about the tree. Uh, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Where does it come from? The very first psalm. So our, when we live for the Lord and the word of God is in our lives, it's the tree of life. And we shall be like that tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Isn't it interesting how that uh, the, the David starts off the book of Psalms with almost a glimpse of heaven. If we'll just follow the Lord, the closest we can get to heaven is being in the word and allowing God to work through us. And then we see the blessings to others in Psalm, or in Proverbs 3.18 he says, she, wisdom, 
of course, wisdom comes from the word of God, is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. So, you know, let the word of God dwell in you richly, Colossians 3.16. And as we retain it, that is a person who's going to have the joy of life and the river of life flowing through them. Notice in the Proverbs 11.30, he says, The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. So there's that flowing water where God wants his grace to flow through us and touch other people's lives. And then Proverbs 13.12, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Again, hope. We're hoping for God to do certain things. We're expecting God to. And, and at, at times we get heart sick for heaven or heart sick for God to do something. But when he does, oh, the blessings, oh, the, the tree of life. And all of a sudden, those are those times in our lives when the, the, the dam breaks. And all of a sudden, the world isn't the same. Like I mentioned several times when I just felt like through the word of God, God spoke to me. Uh, and I've given you several examples of my life, and I don't want to retrace them now. But those things changed my life. I didn't realize they were changing my life at the moment. But they really solidified my faith. They pointed me in certain directions. Didn't tell me exactly what I was going to do, but I was confident that I knew where, that whatever was going to happen, it was God's will. And just those are the things we all, we need those turning points in life, those landmark decisions. Uh, those, not the foxhole decisions where, Lord, if you just get me out of here, I'll serve you. And then uh, when you get out of the foxhole, you go right back to your old way of life. But those landmark decisions. You know, you were talking about the foxhole. <clears throat> My uncle Jane was in World War II with yeah. the Germans and yeah. hand grenades and the bunkers and all that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. He got wounded in that. And he says, Lord, if you get me through this, I'm going to serve you in the church. Well, guess what? He bought a tailor and was a part of that's it. That's the that's the foxhole decisions. Yeah, and so Lord, you get me through this, I'll serve you. And I've not... oh, yeah. There again, it's interesting how that happens because we all do that, you know. And women can do it, you know. Not every woman is in combat, but uh, again, Lord, you just get me through this, and I'll serve you. And all of a sudden, right back to the old way of life. And so, uh, again, uh, you know, we see that uh, God promises. That is, we serve him, and that dam breaks, and that water, all of a sudden we see that water flowing through us, then what a blessing it is. And that it changes us totally. We'll never forget it. I never will forget those situations. I mean, they're as clear as day. Only two or three times. If they happened every day, it'd be commonplace. But uh, when they happen unexpectedly, you never forget them. And so we see that... uh, the, when God breaks through. But then uh, Proverbs fifteen four, a wholesome tongue is tree of life. There go, a wholesome tongue is true. So we give life, we breathe life into other people through the way we speak to them. Then Lord, change my tongue. Help me to be a person who doesn't cut people down and tear people apart, but help me to be a type of person who edifies and good old, good old biblical word, edify. You build them up with your tongue. Oh, how many times do we look, though, oh, if I had just said this, I could have cut them down to the quick, you know, or whatever. 
Oh, boy, if I could just use my tongue. And uh, what uh, James says in James chapter 2 or 3, where he says, oh, what a, what a, a whirlwind a little fire produce, produces. And so, again, a uh, wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach of the spirit. You tear people down with your tongue. I was uh, listening or just reading about a, 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 a basketball player that uh, was watching Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan could be your best friend or your worst enemy. But he decided he didn't like a guy on his team. And he intimidated that guy so much that he lost his confidence and was out of, out of basketball within a couple of years. And it was a guy on the practice. He was on the same team. And yet he could, you know, carry a whole team with him too. So it's interesting what you can do with your tongue. But uh, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He who believeth on me, and the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so isn't that what we want to do? Should it out our tongue, out of, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Lord, give me a good heart. Give me a heart that wants to see God work. Okay. Well, it's good to see you, uh, each one of you with us this morning. And uh, let's pray that God will give us an edifying tongue and that uh, the water of life will flow from us to others. Father, thank you for what you're doing. But Lord, we're looking forward to that tree of life and the water of life. But Lord, as you are making us the salt of the earth, may out of us, out of our inner being, flow that river of life, that water of life that will touch other people's lives and save their souls. Bless, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.